Steve Weingart and Renee Jones are a match made in music. High school sweethearts, they spent their early years growing together with music being their mutual passion. Eventually, they made the move to Los Angeles, with Steve focusing on music as his profession. Renee didn't initially pursue music as her career path, but it was Steve's invitation for her to perform on his solo album, Dark Blue Dream, that turned her focus to music as a profession, which she continues to pursue to this day. Steve and Renee have recently collaborated on a brand new album project titled Oasis, a project spawned by Steve's endorsement by Casio and features him performing on the new Casio GP500 Grand Hybrid, while Renee lends her talents on vocals and bass. Inside Music Cast is pleased to welcome back to the show Steve Weingart and his wife Renee Jones. Hey Steve, welcome back to the show and Renee, thanks for joining us for the first time. Hey, how you guys doing? Thanks for having us. Yeah. Doing well, thank you. We're doing great. Finally, we've got you both on Inside Music Cast. Can you believe it, Rick? Yeah, last yeah. time we just had Steve, huh. and that was a long time ago. It was a long was time it? ago, 2009. Yeah. Was it really that long? It's been 2009. <laughs> oh, man. Can, can you believe it? Uh, <laughs> wow. during, that, during that time, Steve's goatee has grown <laughs> so much. I mean, a lot has happened. A lot yeah. of growth has been happening. You about shall not years. pass. In about 10 years, he's going to be challenging Lee Sklar. I know, really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me just clarify that. He will not be. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We have Renee an agreement. It, it's as long as it's supposed to be right now. So. Uh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> well, good to have a couple of native Midwesterners from Ohio here mm. with a couple of Indianapolis guys here. So anyway, <laughs> welcome to you guys. Yeah. Uh, um, it's been really since 2009 since we've spoken to you last. And um, so, Steve, tell us uh, what's been happening since the last time we talked. Fill us in a little bit, could you? Wow. That's a long time. To, that's a lot. Of, that's Here's a lot to remember. Here. You got thirty seconds to pack in. Let's <laughs> go. Um, I think uh, during that time, I was we were still working with uh, Lukather. Right. You know? Yeah. You know, we were still working with Luke. We were touring, and then uh, I'm going to ask Renee to help out because so much happened. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we we both ended up playing with Lukather on his uh, Steve Lukather from the Toto band on right. his uh, solo project, mostly traveling in Europe. But mm-hmm. then after that, you worked a lot with Simon Phillips on the Protocol band. That's right. The last and and, and actually, I was just looking on the Inside Music Cast website and saw myself with Rick and Simon. Yeah, that's right. That's the last time I think I saw you. Yeah, right. a couple of years ago, yeah. three years ago, maybe. 
Right, right. And uh, so I worked with Simon for quite a bit. Um, I am no longer with the Protocol Band, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I, I, I've done quite a few things. Like I'm kind of branching out in a bunch of different directions. Um, uh, more recently, as a matter of fact, it was just this past Sunday that I worked with David Sanborn for the first time. That's right. And that, that was yeah. a thrill. Um, hoping for more of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, um, in the meantime, I've been studying orchestration and instrumentation at UCLA. Um, I wanted to kind of stretch out a little bit and um, explore some of the directions that have always intrigued me over the years. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Hey, Renee, we want to uh, touch base with you a little bit, and because this is the first time that we actually uh, get to chat with you a little bit. Um, you know, if anyone hears your work, they'll know that, uh, you know, that you're just a, a great musician in your own right, a great bassist, but your voice is also lovely too. Did you, uh, start singing when you were a lot younger and, and, uh, were your folks musical? Let us catch up with you just a little <laughs> bit, you know? Well, actually, no, my, my, my parents weren't very musical, but they were so supportive of my, my brother and I, uh, in music. So we were in, you know, great Midwest Dayton uh, music programs, the public schools, when, when we were kids, they supported the, the music programs. Uh-huh. And so we played everything. We were in chorus and played instruments all the way up until high school. So, um, you know, uh, singing hasn't been my primary focus. It's mm-hmm. really been as an instrumentalist. But, you know, when, as, as I was explaining in our, in our school programs, we just kind of did a little bit of everything. Um, recently, I unfortunately had a, a shoulder injury, so it kept me from playing bass as much as I wanted. So we were thinking in the in- interim while I was, you know, rehabbing my shoulder, what can we do? What kind of project can we work on? And Steve said, well, let's, let's do a little duet. Let's have you do yeah. some singing in it. Mm-hmm. Why don't you explain how we, we came about that because of the Casio project in right. San Diego? Well, we had a, a call from Casio. Um, who I'm endorsing. Uh, they came out with this instrument, the uh, Grand Hybrid Piano, and uh, they were doing an exhibit at the NAM. I think it's called the Making Music. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually the NAM headquarters. Okay, where they have this uh, this place where they offer exhibits, and, and you can see any kind of instrument that you can think of. It's like a museum. Okay, cool. That's what it's called, Museum of Making Music. Right. right. That's what it's called. Okay, so uh, they, Casio was invited to do a temporary exhibit, and at the opening of that exhibit, they wanted someone to demonstrate the, uh, the new hybrid piano. Mm-hmm. So they gave me a call. It's just down the road. It's in, it's in San Diego, essentially. Right, just outside of San Diego. Yeah, right. so... Um, they, they gave me a call and, and uh, asked me if I would go down there and just play a few tunes. And um, I said, sure. And in the act of preparing for that, um, I felt a little bit, uh, you know, the king has no clothes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not true. <laughs> I, 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 felt a little, uh, I felt a little naked just being out there by myself. And uh-huh. I, I was, I've never really done... My, my career has always been band-oriented. I've always right. been in a band. Okay. So um, uh, even when I was a kid, when I played uh, at the, you know, for the choir at church, there was always other people involved. So I felt a little exposed. 
And I asked Renee if she wouldn't mind singing a couple of tunes with me. And I asked him, you know, how much are you going to pay me? We negotiated that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, and then we decided to do a couple of duets, some standards. Yeah, we yeah. just we just thought, uh, uh, I can't remember how Smile came about, mm-hmm. but uh, we just decided on a few tunes. Bridge Over Troubled Water was one of them. Right. Uh, I know we did a Nat King Cole song. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we had a good response at, at that uh that performance and so we said well why don't we kind of you know uh direct this into a, a duet project and that's how oasis came about yeah that's how it came about and 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 i've known renee had a wonderful voice for many years you know um geez we've known each other since high school right. yeah. and and we've uh we have similar tastes in music and i've always heard her sing and you know we we had this uh, a favorite album of ours is uh, Cannonball, Nancy Wilson and Cannonball Adderley. Yeah. Okay. And uh, she, you know, she she would sing little phrases here and there, and and I hear that echoing through the house, and I'm like, wow, that that's uh, that's too good to go unnoticed. We should share that with everyone. Yeah. I can tell you guys are excited about the Oasis project because you've already mm. you've already taken us there. <laughs> And we've, yeah. got, oh, we've great, got a couple other great. things we want to talk about before, because so we're going to jump back to that in a second. But um, but I just wanted to say you, you mentioned high school, and and you know we didn't really get a chance to talk <laughs> about this last time, Steve, because Renee wasn't on the show with us. But but right. the way we understand it, you guys, like you mentioned, are actually met in high school, and you both performed together classically. So talk to us about those early years. I mean, t- <laughs> did you guys? I mean, you don't have to go into. All kinds of nitty gritty detail, but I mean, just just tell us about musically how you. I mean, was music what brought you two together? Yeah, actually, okay. was Steve was the was the band troublemaker. I'll okay. just leave it at that. <laughs> and, he, and he he caught my attention early on. You know, he was like the the band superstar. You know, he has perfect pitch, and uh, and like I said, we you know we learned to play all instruments. So both of us did that. So he played drums and he played trombone, and then obviously he played piano. And I played violin and flute and oboe. Okay. So when I was playing oboe, he was playing trombone, sitting behind me in band, you know, causing trouble and, and getting in trouble. And, and intentionally we just, playing yeah, out of tune. Yeah, intentionally playing out of tune to drive our <laughs> yeah, band director crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's Steve. That's Steve. Yeah, yeah that is yeah. him. Yeah. And so we just had such a great time. You know, we met each other and, and our, through, you know, obviously – became good friends first through our love of music. And yeah. he, you know, I played in, uh, violin was my first and primary instrument. I played in the Dayton Philharmonic Youth Orchestra. And so for those auditions, uh, those yearly auditions, Steve would always accompany me, mm-hmm. you know, for the auditions. And it was always great. And we just became friends and, mm-hmm. and stayed friends through college and yeah. eventually got our way here to L.A. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Oh, very it, cool. Yeah. You know, um, you know, Renee, you first collaborated with Steve back in 2006 on Dark Blue Dream. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, that was the first time of, you know, playing, you know, I mean, you were the bassist and a, and a vocalist. But how was it working on this album? I mean, this is your first time embarking on this kind of a project with Steve. And, uh, you know, you work with some great musicians. I mean, geez, you had Frank Gambale on it, Ernie Watts, uh, very yeah. fusion. How, how was it on that first album? 
That you're talking about Dark Blue Dream. Yeah, yeah right. Tom yeah. Tom Breckline, Ernie Watts, Frank Gambale. I mean, Jimmy Earl. Jimmy was Earl. Yeah, mm-hmm. wow, right? Just yeah. some great, not not just great musician, but really great cats, great friends of ours. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's a little intimidating for me. You know, music was always a passion and a love, but it was not something that I pursued as a career. You know, I mm-hmm. went to University of Cincinnati to study science. I was a biology major and went to, you know, graduate school at UCLA. But I always played and I always wrote music. You know, Steve was the the professional musician in our family, but we always collaborated. And he, you know, looked and said, well, why don't, I don't understand. Why don't you play a couple songs? And, right. mm-hmm. you know, uh, and and I said, well, if you feel like that you want my contribution, let's do it. And mm-hmm. so it was, it was an honor. I mean, I, you know, Steve's my husband and he's my best friend, but I'm, I'm always amazed at, and, and I'm a big fan of him. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so to have him ask me to play on Dark Blue Dream, it was just, it was great. You know, it was really, a, yeah. it was a challenge, but it was also really an honor. So, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, then in, in 2011, uh, you guys both collaborated on Dialogue uh, as yeah. well and, and another funky fusion project. And, yeah. mm-hmm. you, and on this one, you know, since you, uh, Steve, you had, you guys had both had collaborated with Steve Lukather. You had Luke on this album and yeah. uh, both acoustic yeah, and electric true. guitars and Lenny Castro, right. Simon Phillips. And you even brought in Victor Wooten on bass as well. Did, that, yeah. that was a great project. Yeah. Boy, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, can remember, I can remember recording Victor as we were talking to you. It was just that that brilliant yeah. yeah actually all of them yeah yeah we had really a really a good experience recording that cd it was i i, I feel it it's reflected in yeah. the music as well we yeah. we are fortunate you know how how it is with la musicians you you know people come in in and out of your music life and one of the the um consistent you know music collaborators for steve was simon yeah and we found him such to be such a great producer co-producer with steve on the record and and he was such a great friend that we did you know not only dialogue but observatory yeah um and and it was yeah it was just a great it was a great process yeah yeah Yeah, it was really good memories with that one i think you know aside from it being such a great drummer i think uh you know Simon's passion is recording and producing as well. I think that's just, that's you know just as important to him. I think as drumming. So. Yeah, he he might even chip it the other way a little bit further. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know he, he I've I've been privy to you know a lot of time with him in the studio, and he's just fascinated yeah. with all of the technology that goes into recording. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, he speaks about when he was young. Uh, and his mother getting, I think it was a, a, a reel-to-reel machine mm-hmm. of yeah. some sort. <laughs> and he talks about how he, you know, was so intrigued with that. And, and sometimes drumming almost seems to take a second chair, you yeah. know. Well, cer- certainly when, when we're in the studio, he, well, yeah. he is passionate about it. Yeah, he's it. super yeah. passionate yeah. about that. I mean, it, it, it's it, as great as the drumming is, and it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> In his mind, it almost appears secondary. Yeah. Like he's, he's not know, really... He's, he's, he's a, manning the drums and running back to the board between takes, you know? Yeah. 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 It's pretty... He's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Eddie and I went... This is, goes back maybe 10 years ago or so, but we went up to Toronto to see Toto in concert. And after oh, the show, oh. the band was hanging out <laughs> in the lobby. And I just walked over to Simon and said, hey. And we started talking about one thing. And before you know it, we were talking about engineering. And we, we he went <laughs> yeah. into he went into this diatribe about sample rates and what the best sample, you know, what <laughs> what sampling rate, you know, uh, yeah. is is the perfect sampling rate for recording and and, and for archiving purposes. And it, we did, we, yeah. I think we talked forty five. Well, he talked forty five minutes. 
absolutely. <laughs> Boy, yeah. that sounds like Simon. Yeah. Yep. It was fun, absolutely. fun topic. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Hey, guys, it wasn't, uh, you guys didn't wait too long. In 2012, right after that, you guys recorded Observatory with a lot of mm-hmm. the same players, in fact. You know, Simon was producing yep. with the guys. And, um, you know, so at that time, had you, um, did you know exactly what Simon was bringing to the table as a producer? I mean, is that why you selected him? You know, there was a bunch of reasons behind why these people got involved in a project. Simon was uh, was and is a really good friend. Um, we just have, he's got that sense of humor um, that, that, you know, he has me cracking up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, we just, and we had already been on the road together with, you know, some of his side projects. Now, right. I believe this is before Protocol. Yeah, I think so. And, um, and we just got on really well. Um, we, I remember going to Japan with uh, Andy and uh, Andy, Everett Hart. Andy Timmons. Andy Timmons. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We love Andy. And uh, it, it really good band. And uh, we just had all these uh, kind of, I think I played with him at a NAMM show. Mm-hmm. We just had all these experiences together. And, yeah. and then the, the experience of doing dialogue went so well. It seemed like, you know, why try to fix something that ain't broke That's you know right. it, yeah it was, <laughs> yeah it's it it's it's always been a pleasure for us to work with simon because he has the same vision that we do for our music mm, like we right. don't have to you know translate it to him when we bring him a project or or let him check out the tunes he gets conceptually what we want to do so when we're sitting recording it's there's not a lot of time spent trying to you know, uh, figure out common ground or any of that. He just he yeah. just gets it. We love a lot of the same music, you know, right. Weathery Port and mm-hmm. Herbie Hancock and, mm-hmm, you yeah. know, those kind of bands. So we all come from the same place and it helps us get to the same, you know, destination. Yeah. It works mm-hmm. out really well. Mm-hmm. You know you know what I like about him is, uh, in, in fact, um, gee whiz, Steve, I think you were here. Remember when Protocol was here? How far back was that, Rick? That was a few years ago. A few years yeah. back. But when he was here, um, you guys were here um, – you know, I remember speaking to to Simon, and what I like about him is he's very broad in his interests. We were, we started talking yeah. about cars, and yeah. at that time, you know, <laughs> oh, I, had, I had a couple exactly. a, a car, and and we started talking about Porsches, and and uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> man, we started going on racing. <laughs> I mean, the guy yep. knew everything about racing and rally yeah. racing and everything. And I'm like, oh, she was kept on going. You know, he didn't want yeah. to talk about yeah. music. He wants to. Here's some other yeah. stuff that I do. Yeah, when when yeah. Toto, right, right. when Toto came through here in like 2007, I I helped. Remember, I helped yeah. get him set up for a tour at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and he yeah. he went out there with a couple of band members and <laughs> oh, toured cool. the speedway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that's amazing. Yeah, the the funniest though is seeing Steve and Simon in the studio arguing about whether NASCAR racing is better or Formula One. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best, right? You know, Simon's yeah. very he's very British, and Steve's very Midwest, so he's you know driving around in his Corvette, driving up to the studio, challenging Simon in his BMW. So it's pretty funny. Yeah, Those guys yeah. are good like that. Yeah, That's great. Yeah. yeah. Hey Renee, you as a bassist, um, you know who do you have as your favorite bassist? Or I mean, the, that you admire as an instrumentalist. I mean, tell us about your your playing and and the people that you dig. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's pretty standard. All the basses seem to love Jamerson. You know, <laughs> when I was a kid and, and listening to Motown, you know, you don't really process why the music 
feels good, why it sounds good. You don't really think that. But then as you start to explore music, you realize, wow, the bass part is really yeah. integral. It's what makes it, it's what binds the rhythm and the melodic content. And so I just was always intrigued by by Jamerson's playing. And then obviously, you know, Jocko. And and then a lot of the, the guys, you know, Steve like plays with. Yeah, Anthony Jackson. Mm-hmm. And, and and a lot of the guys just that, that Steve plays with, the local musicians, a guy named Hussein Jeffrey, great bassist and singer, Marco Mendoza. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know Marco's sure, work. Yeah. I mean, just a great performer, like not just a bassist, but a really great performer. Yep. You know, all of these guys, Carlitos Del Puerto, yeah. a yeah. great Cuban bass player, just, just all the cats, you know. Um, those guys, yeah, and then obviously Victor, <laughs> Victor Wooten. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, right? Yes, we saw them uh, last weekend with with Bella Fleck, and just you know, floored every single Jeez. time watching him play. He's just mm-hmm. a master. He's right. he's like a level beyond anyone yeah. else in my mind. He's yeah. he's something. Else. He's a virtuoso, and he's, he's yeah, he's he really we, is. We've had him on the show. We've also had Carlitos Del Puerto on the yeah. show as well. Yeah. Oh, cool, he's a genius. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, hey, Steve. We know you know you've you've in the past developed a, a great relationship with Steve Lukather, and you did quite a bit of touring with him. You know, uh, yeah. since we last mm-hmm. spoke to you, and we have a question from an Inside Music Cast listener. Her name is uh, Amy Stonoha, and she's from Burlington, Vermont, and she wants to know cool. about the transitions tour that took place in and around 2013, and it took you all over the world. And she mentions that a few shows took place in Russia, and she's curious to know about those specific shows oh, wow. playing in front yeah. of a Russian crowd. Wow, that uh, yeah, was, I was on that gig too. Yeah, yeah Renee was, was great, on that tour that as well. Great fun. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a lot of fun. Now, um, it was really cool because the venue that we played at <laughs> yeah. was really remarkable. It was just the one of the most beautiful places I'd was, ever it been. It was a theater. It was a club. It was a concert hall. Yeah, right. Okay. It That's was a right. concert hall. It was for real. Um, and if I'm not mistaken. The pipe organ that was in this place was the biggest in all of Russia. Was it? I'm not sure. It was either the biggest of uh, in in Moscow or wow. in in all of Russia. It was remarkably. Huh. Uh, I mean, this place, this venue, was just beautiful. Um, and the the thing that I that I remember, I had been to Russia Russia a few times. I played all you know, Saint Petersburg, uh-huh. uh, Moscow, uh, and and I remember. Especially in those days, that there was quite a division in class. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I remember the, the the audience being split, like in a jazz club. I remember playing. A lot of the jazz guys were still going uh, over to this club. I'm not even sure if it's still around anymore. It may not be. Mm-hmm. But in Moscow, they they divided the room in such a way where the common people would stay. They would attend that side. And then the upper class people would attend the other side of the room. Interesting. It was very interesting to but see it, but that. But it wasn't it was, like that with the loot gig. It was the not Luke like gig. that with the loot yeah, gig. Yeah, it was but like. What, the, the point that I wanted to come to with that is it seems that over time it's loosened up considerably in, in, in my experience as being in, in Russia. Mm-hmm. And when we went to play at this theater, which I thought, you know, when, when you see a place like this, you're thinking, wow, this is going to be people in suits and and formal dresses, yeah. and it, it's that kind of a venue. Right. And uh, the people came out, and it was like a rock and roll hang. Yeah. yeah. You know, people were just <laughs> on their feet, yeah. and it was just, you know, it, it was so accepting. The people were cheering us on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
uh, we were, I mean, Luke is really a rock star, yeah. but they made us all feel like that. Yeah, they yeah. sure did. Yeah, yeah, that was a fantastic, fantastic tour. I yeah. remember that very well. It, that tour in Russia, you know, like Steve had said, he, he had played there before and we both, I, you know, I j- went to visit him to travel there. And it, it, it was just, it was a beautiful experience. We mm-hmm. had great food. The, the promoters took really good care of us oh and, and great sightseeing. So it was, oh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of fun. Oh, cool. I can remember several experiences, like walking through Red Square yeah. and just being in awe of, <laughs> yeah. of where, where I was standing right. and, yeah. and, and realizing what kind of history is behind. Yeah. It, it was just very humbling. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. really, really, uh, I was really grateful for that experience. That sounds like a great experience, yeah. 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 That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Sanborn a little while ago, and, you, mm-hmm. and you're, you're out on the road with him. You've done some shows with him anyway, and, and just tell me, right. how did this gig come about? Wow. Uh, I remember when we spoke in our, our earlier interview, uh-huh. we talked about uh, spider webs and knowing people yeah, and, that's right. and one person knows another person and so forth and so on. Well, the bass player that's playing with, with uh, Dave Sanborn now, his name is Andre Berry. Okay. And I used to work with Andre. Actually, I may have first worked with him in Marilyn Scott's band. Whoa. Wow. Okay. So we're going back quite a few years. Yeah, this, yeah. We're probably we're looking at ninety-five or ninety-six, mm-hmm. maybe. Right. And uh, as as you know, uh, you, you know, you do the gigs with these people, and 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 you stay in touch. And then I remember at at some point I started working with Dave Weckl a lot. Okay. And when that happened, I kind of lost contact with a lot of the local musicians here because we were on the road so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the downfall. Uh, as far as local work goes, like when you're on the road so much, you kind of lose contact with what's going on at home. And I remember that that was sort of one of those things that happened with myself and Andre. Uh, and for some reason, I, I asked him about this. I said, how in the world did you recommend me for, you know, for this gig? And he's like, man, you just popped into my head. <laughs> that's a good thing. And I thought, man, that's great, man, you know. <laughs> You'll take it, right? Yeah, we'll take it. I mean, you know, Andre's uh, another soul brother, man. Yeah, He's a, great a beautiful cat, a great player, and a good friend. And that's really just about how it happened. I mean, uh, the way my first show with, with Dave Sanborn went was just on good faith. Andre mm-hmm. recommended me so highly. wow. wow. And and Dave Sanborn looked me up online and saw some videos where I was playing. Yeah, and uh, he just decided to give me a shot at it, and uh, the show went very well yeah. as far as as That's far right. as I could tell. It went really well. Yeah. And uh, I and, was in the audience. It went well. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I can't tell you. It's a thrill for me because I I used to play Dave Sanborn's music when I lived back in Ohio. Yeah, and I'm sitting behind my keyboard looking at in front and I see him sitting on a stool just on the other side of my keyboards smiling at music that I used to play when I was a yeah. kid it was yeah. just a thrill it's a treat yeah. it was so cool oh my god I remember the first time I saw Sanborn it was here in Indianapolis it was 81 Voyeur had just come out and mm. uh, and it was still to this day it's one of my favorite albums right, um, right. Yeah. but I tell you he uh, you know Marcus Miller was with him in, in yeah. the touring and ba- the band 
it was it was a, an amazing amazing time i remember yeah. um, i mean i was such a, a fan of his and i still am Right. What a right. privilege for you just to be playing with this guy. I mean, I'm envious for you, you know. <laughs> uh, that's exactly how I feel. It's definitely yeah. a privilege, and I'm enjoying every second of it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Oasis. This is a, wow, how can I say? This is a total departure from what you're both known for and have yep. worked on together and uh, collaborated, um, you know, from fusion to pure piano and vocals. And, of course, this, you'll talk to us probably a little bit more about Acasio, but and what part they had into this whole thing. But, Steve, talk to us about the inception of the project and how it came to, to be. Well, um, the idea is that I, I, I got this instrument from Casio. They developed this grand hybrid piano. And when it was delivered, I have it back-to-back -back with my... Uh, <laughs> I have a Steinway sitting just on the other side mm -hmm. from, where this, uh, from where this Casio hybrid piano sits. Wow. And there were so many benefits to playing the hybrid. Uh, not only does it sound like a piano, but it plays like a piano, mm -hmm. feels like a piano, and gives you all of the um, all, all, all of the sensations mm -hmm. of actually playing the the, the real instrument. And to the point that I started playing this instrument like I used to practice in college. Mm -hmm. I, I really got kind of fervent about it. And I started carrying on with it and just getting, I started practicing my technique again, started working with music again that I, in, in a way that I hadn't in such a long time. And uh, the thing that was cool about it was it doesn't go out of tune. Yeah. Uh, I can play it at night and not keep Renee awake with my practicing. <laughs> right. Because I can just turn it down. Right. There's all these little, really cool benefits that go along with it. I mean, and you're you're not saying that to take away from like acoustic. I mean, sure. in no, a lot of ways, no, no, they're, no. they're different instruments, but the benefit of having that at the exactly. time in your life right. was, yeah. Yeah, well stated, yeah. Yeah. So that, that was the start of this whole thing. Um, I, I suddenly felt my felt myself falling in love with the with the acoustic piano again, mm -hmm. and um, and then from that point, I just began to, you know, when you lose yourself playing an instrument, just playing. Yeah. You know, not you know, I, for for so many years I've been uh, you know studying music to go perform. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. I would I would I would have to go learn mm -hmm. like I just did with with uh, Dave Sanborn's set. There were a few tunes in there that I had to learn and memorize. So I studied his music. And, and the difference between studying the music for performance sake and playing music to explore the love and the, the, the passion for just playing, there's a difference, a, a, a quite, quite a big difference for me. So this passion and playing for the sake of playing started happening more. And uh, I started writing music. Mm. Yeah. And then we got this call to go play at the Making Museum of Making Music. Very nice. Uh, and then, you know, everything kind of, in a strange way, this project kind of came together with forces outside of my own wishing, mm -hmm. my own desire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, a lot of musicians right now, including us, you know, you're, we're doing self-releases, right? We're right. self-promoting, you know, these, these smaller projects. So... Uh, yeah, it is. It is a departure from what we're normally, you know, doing rock and roll and fusion records. <laughs> right. And the benefit of being, you know, of self-releasing is you say, you know, I think we're gonna we're gonna check this out. You know, mm -hmm. we had 
we're, we're so funny. We, we, uh, during the summertime, we, we have a pool and we, we hop in the pool and we pick some records or some artists that we want to check out and do our exercise in there. And we've been listening to just great, you know, singer songwriters. And so we just kind of were getting intrigued by that and watching, you know, Gershwin, you know, documentaries and just intrigued by that, right. you know, so, you know, Steve, uh, kind of, kind of went that route. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. just kind of a weird natural yeah. progression the yeah. way the for way for this it, time. Yeah, the yeah. way the way it fell out, you know, yeah. it just sort of naturally evolved. Yeah. Well, you know, the this is a very, I guess you could say, naked project in regards to what you're presenting. I mean, it's just you on keys and Renee occasionally on vocals and bass. And and for your past projects, I guess both of you, you you've incorporated, especially you, Steve. I guess you've incorporated sort of a full band mentality. You know, you kind of touched on that yeah. earlier. And so when you sat yeah. down to write these songs. Tell me if you had to change your approach to how you write and, <laughs> and what you want the listener a, to come away with. What a really thoughtful question. Yeah. That's exactly right, yeah, right? It, it sure is. I really had to I really had to change my mentality mm-hmm. yeah. because I've always been of the of the mindset in my as you said this is a departure. My entire professional career has evolved around there being a bass player, a drummer, a guitarist, yeah. a saxophonist, a vocalist. There's always been some some version of a band, some set mm-hmm. of instrumentation. Mm-hmm. So my playing over the years has been focused in that manner. I've never worried about playing bass, except for when Victor Wooten was playing a solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never worried about playing anybody else's part. So oh, I was okay. suddenly faced with how do I present without question yeah. to the listener what I intend for them to take away from mm-hmm. the sound. Right, right. You know? right. So that was quite an adjustment on my, my thinking and my, I really, I really kind of had to start all over. I had to just throw everything into the scrap pile and, and rethink my approach to the instrument mm-hmm. okay. after so yeah. many years. Of, right. You, know. yeah. you, sol- you have to be selective. You've got 10 fingers, right? And you have to be <laughs> yeah. selective when you're, when you're, uh, you're, presenting a bass part right and then how do you right. comp that to make it right. feel yeah. you know like it's orchestrated right. every note matters every right? note really right. does matter right because the difference between one chord and another is one note yeah right well i wanted to talk to you about a, a few songs on uh, or a few uh not necessarily songs but compositions on the on the record and and one is um the track called Second Thoughts, and it's it's kind of a melodic, you know, jaunty, you know, kind of a finger snap in tune, mm-hmm. you know, one that features Renee on vocals. And, mm-hmm. you know, you two really sound beautiful together on this one. And, and Renee, oh, you sound so natural with this style of, of piano jazz. Does it does it feel as natural to perform this style of music as, as you make it sound? Well, yeah, I, I thank you for that. That's, that's really, uh, I appreciate that compliment. You know, the thing is, we we both, like he mentioned, love Cannonball Adderley oh, and yeah, the Nancy yeah. Wilson thing. So, so mm-hmm. when we were preparing to to perform this, you know, I listened a lot to her approach to to the way she sang. Yep. You know, those those standards and everything, and then obviously all the other great, you know, standard singer Ella and and Sarah Vaughn, and so so it not in, incredibly intuitively natural, but Steve, I think did such a great job with with the performance and providing really good melodies that yeah. it just it just it just happened it was it was really yeah, yeah it was organic in that way yeah yeah cool 
Well, hey, Steve and Renee, if you guys don't mind, let's take a break. And uh, of course, this album, Oasis, doesn't come out until later in the year, but you guys have graciously allowed us to uh, play a few samples of some tracks from the album. And uh, the first one we're gonna uh, play a sample from is the song we've been talking about, and that is Second Thoughts. From Steve Weingart and Renee Jones, uh, this is from their album, Oasis, on Inside Music Cast. Synth uh, appears a little bit on the rendition of Simon and Garfunkel's uh, "Bridge Over Troubled Water." Renee, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you sound beautiful, and and we love the arrangement. But uh, whose idea was it to uh, to record this track? And and we just wondered if uh, if it has some personal meanings, you know, to both of you. Wow, um, you know that, like I said before, we both have been interested in impressed and influenced by singer-songwriters, you know, Simon and Garfunkel and and all those, you know, just great singer-songwriters. But, you know, from a personal standpoint, you know, that bridge over troubled water, uh, there was an old Roberta Flack uh, version of that song. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it. And Mm -hmm. I remember my parents listening to this record and I thought, wow, that's a really beautiful tune. It's a beautiful rendition. And you look and you see, well, it's performed by Roberta Flack, but it's written by Simon and Garfunkel. And then you listen to her version. Then you listen to the Simon and Garfunkel version. You're like, wow, there's a lot of, you know, interpretation here. It's still the core of the song is still there, but yeah. somehow they've interpreted in their way that honors, you know, the composer, you know, Paul Simon, um, and and somehow may you know put their own signature on it. So Steve and I have done that tune, you know, several times, even during the Observatory uh, CD release. We thought, well, let's just do a little duet, and he would, you know, orchestrate something mm-hmm. with his synthesizers, right? Just just a <clears throat> duet in that way. Can I interject? It, yeah, please. I was getting ready to say that uh, we did that song when we when we performed with, I believe, the dialogue music and the observatory right. music. Interesting. We, we wanted to have a song that people could get relief <laughs> I don't know how else to say yeah. it, but people could, you know, because the the music of Dialogue and Observatory, when we were performing it, 
uh, at that point, nobody had heard it. Okay. And so everybody's, you, you know, I didn't want to have the audience being shoved back into their chair and eyes, you know, forced open and, and holding their breath all night long. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to give them a sense of, of, of familiarity. Sure, yeah. And um, I knew, that, I knew uh, as Renee is getting to, that it was a uh, personal meaning song. And for me, it was a personal meaning song in not just the song itself, but in the way we approached it, which is kind of how I tried to do it with this Oasis version, in which uh, Joe Zawinul and Wayne Shorter mm -hmm. used to have, they would have a section of the, of the Weather Report concerts. They would just dedicate a section of time to do a duet. Mm -hmm. And I thought of Renee's voice in a way as Wayne would mm. play his soprano saxophone. Nice. I, yeah. And, and I, I tried to create uh, an atmosphere when we did it live and also in the, in the way that we did it on Oasis. In, 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 in such a way that um, it would present her with a, a, a specific atmosphere. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and also getting back to the, you know, the personal mm -hmm. reason for it. I mean, you know, obviously it's a little bit of a departure from the record because the other things are just purely it's piano and voice. But Steve, you know, did some um, synth arranging on it and put, you know, synth strings and yeah. bass on it. And and he said at the end, you know, we did it, but we weren't sure we were going to include it on, on the project. And, you know, without getting too political or too you know, uh, down, mm -hmm. but we just felt like there was a lot of negativity in the, in the United States at this time, you know, a lot of just, it seemed like a lot of, um, unrest. Yeah. And so we thought, well, let's put something on here that just, you know, speaks to each other, just being kind and being there for each other. And so we hopeful. said, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. and being hopeful, you supportive. know, just being supportive. So we said, let's put it on. Yeah, it doesn't, it's not quite the fit for piano and, and vocal duet, but it's it's our message, yeah. you know, for us right now. Yeah. This version of uh, this arrangement that you guys have created of Bridge Over Troubled Water is, is really gorgeous. And uh, we're going to stop for a second. We're going to play a little sample of it. This is from our guest today, Steve Weingart and Renee Jones on Inside Music Cast. Get rough. 
want to talk about the track uh, Ballerina. And when I listened to that one, I started to break it down and I sort of had sort of my own synopsis of, of what that piece was about. And it's it's sort of written like a waltz. You know, it's initially mm -hmm. in 3-4 in with a section in it. it I mm -hmm. mean, then it transitions into 4-4 four, four, and then it, you know, sort of progresses in tempo and launches into a more up upbeat, vibrant sort of feel. And so, wow. you know, that intro in 3-4 sounds, you know, somewhat pensive and it makes some minor chord changes that makes you feel as though, and I'm breaking this down here, <laughs> my own mm, synopsis, yeah. it makes you feel as though the ballerina is going through some type of, you know, trial or tribulation, but then oh. breaks out into a, into a dancer that can express her talents and spread joy through her art. Yeah. And am I even close? I want, wow. your, that's I want your interpretation. Very intuitive. Wow. That's very, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's, what a great compliment. Yeah, right? must have been so <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Jeez. Well, the title of Ballerina, so I was trying to hear the story. That's yeah. beautiful. Right. Wow. Well, God. Uh, you know, uh, if I might elaborate on that, um, there are actually three songs that are on this uh, project uh -huh. uh, that are, are sort of born of a certain time period of, of writing for me. Uh -huh. um, it's tracks number two, uh, Daydream, yeah. uh, six, Reflections, mm -hmm. and number eight, Ballerina. Okay. Mm -hmm. These were songs that were originally thought to be short pieces. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I, I was thinking like just to put a small, uh, you know, very short pieces together and just kind of have them, I actually called them tone poems at the time. Okay. Mm -hmm. But uh, in the case with Ballerina, that's definitely not a tone poem, and it's not short. <laughs> so uh, the idea was very. Uh, I can't. I'm. I'm blown away by your synopsis on it. That's very. That's really insightful, mm -hmm. because that's the imagery that was in my mind. That song really uh, originally was only you know uh, 32 bars long. Oh, okay. Wow. It was it was very short. It was just you know make a statement, let the statement be heard, and then and then that's the end of it. I see. But as I revisited some of these songs for this CD, for this project, um, I found myself wishing to expand, and that's exactly what happened. I sort of went on a trip, just like you described. Okay. Uh, I actually had visual uh, in my imagination. I could see the ballerina moving through the stage mm -hmm. and and going from side to side and, and, and doing, you know, uh, I don't know the technical terms, but, you know, twirling and jumping and, mm -hmm. and right, uh, right. you know, the, the image of the of a spinning foot, mm -hmm. you know, on their toe. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, you, you pretty much nailed it. I don't think I could have said that better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really it's great. great. Well, I, I, I'll just take a writing credit then for you. could put that in the line. The line right? yeah. <laughs> Checks in the mail. <laughs> Ballerina captions by Rick Such. <laughs> That's beautiful. Okay. Well, since we're focusing on this track, Ballerina, and uh, I've, I've sort of aptly described what you know I was feeling about this track and uh, kind of its progression and its storyline, let's go ahead and pause for a second and let's play a little sample of this. This is Ballerina from the album Oasis, which is due out later this year, and it's from our guests today, Steve Weingart and Renee Jones on Inside MusicCast.
Well, hey, the, the opening track on Oasis is titled Here With You, and it's, it's you know, it's kind of a lively tune with some gorgeous vocals by Renee. And, and Steve, I, I know I hear your vocals on some other tracks in the album, but is that you on mm-hmm. BGVs on that, is, on that track too? That is me. Yeah, I'm doing all the background. Nice, okay. nice. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, um, that song was uh, uh, a real interesting, that song went through several changes uh, from its inception, but uh, the idea that we wanted to bring to the listener was it was kind of personal for us too because i was thinking of the song as i would always leave town and go on tours Uh especially when i when i began working on that song i might have even been working with dave weckler at the time i think you were okay and then uh and we were going on long tours i would leave and, and and renee would stay home for most of that time and uh i always felt a real sense of relief coming home even as successful as a tour can be mm-hmm. it was always a, a, a real uh, I, I don't know it was a very happy time to, for me to come home and be yeah with with renee and and that's kind of what the song was i'm here with you mm-hmm. um was kind of what that started yeah right. that's that's mm-hmm. kind of how that came around yeah yeah, yeah. where did you guys record this this uh, project did you guys do it yourself and uh and or right, we're, we're, yeah. we're doing it right from right where we're talking to you from, right okay. here in our own right. living room. The home, yeah, the home studio. Well, yeah. I was just yeah. saying, I was just thinking that you know, gee whiz, the 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 GP five five hundred, I believe that's the model. It changed everything as to what you needed and what you didn't need for the recording. Correct? You hit Absolutely. it right on the head. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. Uh, yep. Right. That's just amazing as to. I mean, right. it, it's it must have made engineering a a, pre, a, a pretty much a breeze, right, Steve? <laughs> yeah. 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 It was super easy. <laughs> yeah. You know, all I had to all I had to do was play the piano and record it. Right. It, it was uh, there was nothing more to it. Yeah, you should explain a little bit about the the fact that it actually has key noise in it programmed oh, yeah. in it, yeah. even though yeah. it's a digital instrument yeah. and it has pedal noise in it yeah. and string noise. It's yeah, wow. the strings resonate when, yeah. when when I put the sustain pedal down. You can hear the quote unquote strings. Yeah, really? you right. can hear this. Yeah, you can hear the strings resonating. Wow. Yeah. You know. Well, talk to us a little bit about the technical. You know, most of a lot of our listeners, as you know, they're they're very technical. We have a lot of keyboardists, that type of thing. So, just like mm-hmm. you, Steve, I mean, our everyone here, you know, that's listening, they they've played a lot of keyboards and a lot of samples, mm-hmm. and of course, everybody knows that the buzz right now is is sampling the the high rate sampling of the Bosendorfers and the Steinways yeah. and everything like that. Right, right. Talk to us about what the sampling of these grand sounds. What what were the what were you really playing? What was the sample on it? Do you know the details of this mm, actual sampling of the of the well, songs? The the sound the piano is is it, well Casio had this uh, collaboration with the C Beckstein company. Okay, um, and they they are a German piano maker, um, and they they did you know they did so much technical stuff that I wouldn't I mean that's high level of nerd. That I, that, that even, that, even you, that as even I, Mr. Music Nerd, yeah, yeah I, I can't it's get beyond, it. Yeah, right. it's beyond me. Um, what they did, the the actual piano action, if I'm not mistaken, is a Bechstein action, wow. or it's some kind of. You know, these guys went back and forth, and they approved each other until right. it became this amazing instrument. Right. So my understanding is. Uh, that they've developed some kind of, of uh, uh, sampling process which doesn't emphasize crossfades. Gotcha. In other words, when you go, uh, I, 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 I won't, 
I won't pick on any companies, yeah. but in the past, there's been keyboards that you play a velocity of 99 mm. and it sounds a certain way. And if you play the next velocity up 100, it sounds completely different. Interesting. You go from kind of a muted sound to a very bright, mm. loud sound. Yeah. And that, you know, that's just the restrictions of technology as we evolve with the technology. Um, the, the things get more accurate and, and more yeah. um, and more acoustically pleasing to mm. us. Yeah. Right. yeah. And I think that's pretty much what they did. They, they worked and worked and worked to get a high level of, of performance. Uh, and, and you just don't hear those kind of things in this instrument. There's, there's no point. I remember uh, on, on other albums that I've done in the past, whether for our project or, or other people that I've recorded for, where you have to be really careful about how you present a MIDI track in, in, or a audio track, how the MIDI gets recorded to audio, because these buzzes and pops can happen, and they're, unwa- they're actually unwanted sounds. Right. Mm-hmm. So how somehow Casio and, and uh, Beckstein have... Uh, have figured out how to make it like like real. Right. You know, it's, it's, yeah. That's beautiful. Thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah, sure. This episode of uh, Inside Music Cast is brought to you by Casio. 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 <laughs> <laughs> bring you the, the very truly authentic Hilarious. acoustic yeah. sounds of the GP500 coming soon to you. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. <laughs> before we close out here, we just wanted to, um, I, I know we kind of talked about this uh, probably, you know, before we started the interview, but, um, you know, just, do you have any clues to when a release date might happen? And it, when it does happen, where can where do you think uh, people can find this album and, and purchase it? Well, for sure, I believe it's going to be this winter. Okay. E- either uh, 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 you know in December of 2017 mm-hmm. or January of 2018. Okay. Right. All right. Great. I th- I think that's fair to to say. I mean. And the the same places that they can get our previous projects. So sure. C- CD Baby. It'll be downloadable on iTunes. Okay. And will be available in CD form. You can order it at CD Baby. So um, we'll have it definitely those two places. Yeah. And there's here's a couple of reasons why our listeners really who who honestly have been following Steve and and Renee even your music for for a while now. The reason they need to to get their hands on this this music is because this is a, a totally other side of a musician. And and it's really nice mm. to see exploration yeah. from musicians when they do something different. You know, right now you know Herbie's doing stuff differently, and and right. uh, and, and I mean it's just nice to see a, a different aspect of. Sure of musicianship so this is really yeah. cool right yeah we appreciate you know, that the, the other, yeah. the, one of the things that, that stays with me from a kid was the fact that you might think you're you're learning stuff but you never can learn it all that's right yeah. you really just can't yeah. get everything as good as a you know as a as a performer or composer might be I, I've always been intrigued by people who just seem to keep developing yeah yeah. You know, Ravel was one of those. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Victor Victor Wooten is another one of those. Wow. He, he right. just keeps evolving. Yeah. I know he's done a symphonic piece for bass. Mm-hmm. In addition to all the crazy, amazing jazz and, and pop music that he's done. And I admire that. And, and maybe that was another driving force behind uh, this drastic change in direction. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, so it, it, it never gets old and... Uh, you can never stop growing, and I guess that's what yeah. keeps us young. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Well, we really, uh, Eddie and I have had, had the 
privilege to get our ears on it, and we really enjoyed it. And, it's uh, very beautiful, and we're it's glad to have great. we're glad great. to have both Thanks. of you on the show. This has been this has been great. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. I'm glad we could all hook up and uh, hang out for a while. Renee, thanks, great. Me- yeah, I was just going to say, Renee, nice to meet you finally. N- nice to meet you yeah, guys. Definitely. Indiana, right? That's Indianapolis, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, cool. Well, guys, thanks so much. And uh, we'll definitely have to catch up again. And like we've told some other guests that we've you know um, interviewed that we haven't interviewed in a while, we hope to do it you know, before another eight years goes by. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's so a we'll, good idea. We'll keep up with you, though, and we'll be sure to let our listeners know what's happening with you guys. And we'll definitely, when the, when the album is ready to go, we'll, we'll spread the word. All Fantastic. right, Rick, Eddie, thank you guys. Hey, nope, you're welcome. Thanks so much. You guys take care. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Special thanks to Steve Weingart and Renee Jones for joining us on this episode of Inside MusicCast. We'd also like to thank our correspondents, Brian Pearson, Kim Riley, Scott Gross, Mikhail Ingstrom, Loretta Sassaman, Scott Sheriff, Don Brydup, Yinka Oyelese, and Arnaud Legere for their support and content development. Inside MusicCast is powered by Earshot Audio Post and Cabello Associates. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside MusicCast. Music